This is a LifeGate Church podcast. Tune in to hear from our team as we encourage you to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers. If you want to find out more about who we are, visit lifegate.org.au. G'day, my name's Nathan. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to pray and then we're going to dive into the Word. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather, to come under your Word. And Father, we pray you'd speak to us today. Give us ears that are open, hearts that are open to hear from you. And anoint me for this task to preach your Word. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, friends, it was in the year 1987 that this crazy TV show called Married with Children came out and it lasted about 10 years. And the theme song for this show was a song sung by Frank Sinatra in 1955. And please join me as I sing. Love and marriage, love and marriage, go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother, you can't have one without the other. It's a pretty cool song and very memorable. Hey. The uh, message title today is this last line, you can't have one without the other. In this song, he says, love and marriage go together, as do a horse and a carriage, which got me thinking about what are the things that you can't have one without the other. And I came up with a few. Here's a few. You can't have bacon without eggs. How about tea without a biscuit? You can't have that. Or you can't have burger without fries or success without sacrifice. Hey, there's a few. Take a moment, turn to the person next to you and talk to them about what can't you have one without the other. Do that now. And if you're watching this online um, in front of the computer, I encourage you to put in our chat box what you can't have one without the other. Spend a few moments and do that now. Hey, the reason I started like this is because when we think about the Christian faith and we think about Jesus, the Bible is clear that Jesus is both Lord and Saviour. Jesus is both Lord and Saviour, and you can't have one without the other. For Jesus is both Lord and Saviour. This is what it says in 2 Peter 3. He says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Friends, when we think about Jesus as Saviour, I mean, that can be very attractive. The fact that when he died on the cross, he saved me from the punishment that I deserved for my sin, that is death, that is eternal death. He's saved me from separation from God. He's made a way from, for, for me and God to be in relationship together. Jesus as Saviour is, is very attractive. When we have Jesus as our Saviour, it means that we're forgiven. It means that our relationship with God is restored and we can have eternity with God. It's, it's having Him as our Saviour is really beautiful. When we talk about Jesus is Lord, I mean, it is really beautiful, but when we start out in the Christian faith, it, it may not be so beautiful. Because for Jesus to be Lord, it means that he's the boss, that he's the one that sets the agenda now for my life, that I now choose to live in the way that he wants me to live. And as someone starts out the Christian journey, that is a massive change from living for themselves, living in the way that you want to live, to now live in a new way living in the way that Jesus wants you to live, friends, that can be a big change. But let me tell you this, the more you live in the way that Jesus wants you to live, that is coming under his lordship, 
the more you live in the life in abundance that Jesus has for you. Living Jesus' way is the best way. It means lots of changes, but as you do it, you are living your best life. I've been following Jesus for over 30 years now, and let me tell you, when I choose to honour him, when I choose to come under his lordship, it is my best life. Friends, Jesus is both saviour and Lord. And if you're a Christian, Jesus needs to be your saviour and also your Lord. You can't have one without the other. Friends, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians and we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians chapter 4 starts with this verse. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And in chapter 4 verse 1, this is the, this is the transition verse. From Ephesians chapter, chapter 1 through 3, it talks about all that God has done for us. Um, in Christ, it's all about what it means for us to be saved. What Jesus has done, it's all about our new identity. And then from chapter 4 through chapter 6, it's all around what does it mean now for us to live in a way that pleases God, living in a way worthy of the calling we've received. Our calling is, on, is, is our new identity that, that we have in Christ that we see in Ephesians 1 to 3. And to live in a way that's, that's worthy of that, that's what Paul writes about in 4 to 6. And just like Ephesians 1 to 3 and 4 to 6 is the same as you can't have one without the other. You need to know what God has done for you and then you've got to know how you live. You can't have one without the other. And in Ephesians chapter 4, he starts by writing about unity in the church. Then he tells us that everyone has a part to play. He then tells us to put off the old, to put on the new. And then Sam brought us the message last week, in, out with the old, in with the new. And this morning... In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 20, Paul continues this theme of what does it mean for us to live a life worthy of the calling? What does it live for us to have Jesus as the Lord, the boss, the king of our life, where he sets the direction? And Paul gives us more information about how we are to live, more direction about how he wants us to live. Now, we're going to look at 20 verses today, and there's a lot in it. So what I'm going to do to try and make it easier for us to grab a hold of, I've, I've, I've summarized these verses into two columns. The way Paul wants us to live and the things that, that Paul wants us to say no to. Now, before we go through these lists, if, 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 if Christianity is, is new for you or if you're a brand new Christian, as we go through these lists, you might be surprised at some of the stuff that's in there. Some of the things that Paul writes that we should do to live a life worthy of the calling or live a life that honours Jesus. And these things are the things you'll learn and you'll be able to implement them in your life. But if you've been a Christian for some time, these things most probably won't be new for you, but they'll be reminders of the way that God wants you to live. So here's the list, here's the summary, and then we'll look at the text. Paul writes first off of the way to live. He says, live this way. In verse 1, he says, follow God's example. He says, walk in love. Live in light, in goodness, righteousness, and truth. He says, find out what pleases the Lord. And in verse 15, he says, be wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Understand what the Lord's will is. Be filled with the Spirit. Sing to one another and the Lord. And finally, submit to one another in verse 21. He says, live this way. And then he also says in the same text, things to say no to. He says, say no to 
sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, impurity, greed, obscenity around the way we speak, foolish talk, say no to coarse jaking, say no to deeds of darkness, talking even, even talking about disobedience, drunkenness, debauchery, foolish behaviour. Paul writes, say no to those things. So let's now look at this text from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. If you've got your Bibles, I encourage you to open it and we're going to work through these 20 verses. This is what he says in verse 1. He says, follow God's example. Remember, Paul's writing to the Christians in Ephesus. He writes to them, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, here we have our identity in that we are loved children of God. And the instruction for us to live under the Lordship of Jesus is to follow God's example and walk in love. Live the way, act in the way that God acts. And he says, walk in love. Well, how do we walk in love? Well, Paul tells us what true love looks like. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. That's referring to when Jesus died on the cross. God loved the world so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on a cross to take the punishment for my sin, to take the death sentence that I deserved upon himself. God gave his best. Jesus gave his best for us. And that is his demonstration of love for us. And that is the model, that is a pattern where then to show others, where to give our best to others. This idea of a, a fragrant offering is referring back to the Old Testament sacrifices and the things that they were called to do there and how Jesus has fulfilled that for us. Verse 3, he says, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. We're living lives above reproach where people can't point the finger and say, hey, I saw you with that girl with that door closed at home. No, not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Holy means to be set apart. We're called to live differently from the rest of the world, not even a hint of this stuff in our life. Verse 4, he then talks about the way a Christian should speak. He says, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place for a believer, but rather thanksgiving. Friends, our words, as people who come under the authority of Jesus, who have Jesus as our Lord, we need to not speak in a way that, that, that displeases him. We are called to speak life and love and be thankful in our speech and not to speak swear words or rude joking or anything like that. It's not appropriate for God's people. And then in verse 5, there's this warning. And I'm going to read, read 5, 6, and 7 because they go together. He says, for of, for, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. There's a warning there. Then look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. 
In the church in Ephesus, there were these false teachers, most likely Gnostics, who were talking about secret knowledge. And they were saying things like, yeah, you can have Jesus as your saviour, but you can live in any way you like. And that refers back to verse 5. They were saying you can live immoral, you can live impure, and you can live greedy lives. This is what these false teachers were doing. And Paul says, no, do not follow these false teachers. Do not even be partners with them. Separate yourself from them because these people are leading you astray. And then back in verse 5, he gives a warning. And he says, you can be sure of this, no immoral, impure or greedy person shall have any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. There's a huge warning there for us. And you might think, well, Nathan, how can that warning be true if you look at Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, which says we're loved and chosen and forgiven and marked in Him with the Holy Spirit and we're saved. That's what Ephesians 1 to 3 says. Well, then how can, if someone lives this way, how can they miss out? Now, before you think this is written to unbelievers, well, it's written in the context of Paul writing into the church and false teachers coming into the church to teach people who will teach them to live the wrong way. This is written to the church. And Paul's warning there is that if we're going to live in a way where we're celebrating who we are in Christ around Jesus as Saviour from Ephesians 1 to 3, and we're all excited by that, but we don't live with Jesus as our Lord, well, maybe we're not saved. Or if, we're not, or if we are saved, we're in danger of missing out. Because Jesus is both Saviour and Lord of our lives. And this no immoral, impure or greedy person. This isn't a one-off incident or a second incident or, or something where you're stuffed up around sexual morality and you're repentant. I mean, God's all about that. This person is described as a person who lives like this, someone who lives immorally, who's someone who's continually greedy, continually sexually immoral, continually living in a way outside Jesus' lordship. They know they're outside Jesus' lordship, and yet they continue to live it anyway. You've got to ask the question, well, is this person saved to begin with? And if they are saved, they're in, they're in a huge warning here of missing out because they're saying that they're saved, but they haven't got Jesus as their Lord. This is the warning. Friends, we need to have both Jesus as saviour and Lord. You can't have one without the other. You can't live in a way that just totally ignores what he wants and think you're okay. Jesus wants people who, are, who, who have him as their saviour and as people who choose to honour him with their lives. Let's go on, let's go on to verse 8. Paul writes, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. When it talks about darkness, it's talking about evil. It's talking about the ways of the world compared to the way Jesus wants you to live, which is light. He says, Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness and truth. The opposite of immorality, greed and impurity, goodness, righteousness and truth and find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases him and do that. And in verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. Wow. Don't even talk about the wickedness of the world. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. As God's light shines in the dark places, we can see what, what the darkness is. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That when the light shines into the darkness, that darkness is revealed. And that darkness then will, will, will then turn to light. It's a bit like what we see over the last few years in Australia around the Royal Commission into, into sexual abuse in organisations. 
And what happens throughout mostly decades and decades, but particularly the 70s and 80s and 90s and the, and the last 30, 40 years, and, and they shine the light into these dark places of sexual abuse of children. And now because the light has been shined in, these organizations are now doing things in different ways. They have child protection policies, working with children checks. The light has shined in and the darkness has been changed to light. That's what we think that, that, that verse means in verse 13. In verse, th- in verse 14, Paul gives them a song, most probably a song that was sung in the early church, sung about unbelievers. He says, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. Come to life, come to Christ and Christ will shine upon you. There's a song and in verse 15. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Find out what it is to live under the Lordship of Lordship of Jesus and live that way. In verse 18, he says, do not get drunk on wine. In our society today and even among Christian groups sometimes, drunkenness is common, um, drinking to excess. And Paul says, no, it's not appropriate. It leads to debauchery, bad, ungodly behavior. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit of God. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. You know, as we sing in church, as we sing as believers, we, we are teaching each other that the our truth of God's word, we're encouraging each other. But there's also a connection between us and God from our heart where we pursue Him, where we focus on Him. And that's what Paul wants us to do here. And in verse 20, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. That's part of our normal Christian life where we're thankful to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, that's the end of our text. And that's what, and in this text, Paul says, this is how we're to live as Christians. This is how we're to live as people who are under the authority of Jesus. But here's the question I have for you today. How do we live in the way that Jesus wants us to live? We've just been told the way, but how do I do that? How do I change to where I currently am to live in the way that Jesus wants me to live? Because if you're honest, and let me be honest, as, as, as I look at my life and parts of my life, I see him living in areas and ways of my life that, that are outside what, what Jesus wants to me, that are outside of his lordship. And, and I have a desire within me to live under his lordship in every area of my life. But I look at my current life and I go, how do I go from here to here? How do I go from this destination of where I'm, where I'm, some parts of my life are living for Jesus, but other parts I'm still living for myself. How do I, how do I get transformed and changed from go to here to live in the way that, that, uh, that uh, Jesus wants me to live? How do I move from here to here? You know, when I was um, at school, when I was 16 and 17 years of age, I went to East Hills Boys High School and the school put on a couple of high school musicals and I'd been playing the piano for about six or seven years and I'd sung a bit in church and I tried out for the musical and the first musical we did was The Wiz, which was a takeoff of The Wizard of Oz and I, and I ended up getting the role of the Scarecrow. So I had to stand there like a scarecrow. It was a bit of fun. And then the following year, they did Bye Bye Birdie and I got the lead character in that. And I tell you, I just loved it. I loved doing those musicals. 
And I saw the teachers in that environment and how much fun they had. And I went, I reckon I could teach this in schools all, all my life. So it was about year 11 or 12, I decided I wanted to become a high school music teacher. I wanted to do musicals in schools. And so here I am in year 12 at school as a student wanting to then become a teacher in a school. I was here and I wanted to get to here. I had to move and there was deliberate steps I needed to take. And it meant I had to go to the University of New South Wales and do a double degree music and education, Bachelor of Music, Bachelor of Education. And after four years of that, I came out as a high school music teacher and I started teaching kids at the age of 21. From the age, from year 12, to becoming a teacher, there were deliberate steps I had to take, and that was to go to the university. And I share that story because it's the same in our Christian life. We are here now in our walk with God, and there's areas where we're honouring God, and there's areas where we're not. And Jesus wants us to honour Him in every area of our life. And so how do we go from here to here? Well, as we look back to chapter 4 and chapter 5 in the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us, the how. And I want to pick out five things for you today. Five, five things you can do, five deliberate things you can do so you can move from here to here, the way you're currently living to living in a way where Jesus is Lord over every area of your life. The first thing is this. The first way is this. Number one, allow what God has done to motivate you. Look at what God has done for you and, it'll, and allow that to motivate you, to encourage you, to live in a way that honours Him. Here's the verse, Ephesians 4.1, the most important, I think, pivotal verse in the whole book of Ephesians. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The calling is your new identity. What God has done for you, friend, if you're a Christian and you're watching this today, you are loved. You are chosen. You are forgiven. You are now God's masterpiece. He has seated you now in the heavenly places with Christ. You are adopted. You are God's treasured possession. And because of all that God has done for you, the natural response is to live in a way that honors Him. And as you, as you, as you allow what God has done to motivate you, as you look at what God has done for you, it will be like a springboard, a motivator to live in a way that pleases Him. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. We get to choose it. We get to choose this way, our old way, or we get to choose to live Jesus' way. This is what Paul writes in Ephesians, Ephesians 4.22. He says, You were taught with your regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. And then verse 24, And to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Friends, when you come to Christ, God makes you a new person and that old self dies. But for some reason, it keeps raising itself up, raising its ugly head, the old self, where it's, where it's Nathan-centric, where I'm self-centered, where it's all about me. That is my old self. And when I come to Christ, that dies, and yet it still rises itself up within me. And there's a conflict between the old self and the new self, the new self is what, is what God has done in me, that I'm now loved and chosen and made new. And as a Christian, I have a choice to choose to live in the old way or choose to live in the new way. It's a choice to put it on. And I can choose to say yes to Nathan-centric 
and yes to the things of the world, or I can choose to say, no, I am Jesus-centric, and I'm going to choose to live God's way. And, and when we have opportunities in life, when things, when situations come up in life, we have a, we have a choice to make, to choose to honour God or honour ourselves and others. And if we're going to be a Christian who has Jesus as Saviour and Lord, we need to choose to honour Him. That's the second thing. First one, look at what God has done. Allow what God has done for you to motivate you. The second one is to choose to live in a way that pleases God. The third thing is have your mind renewed. In Ephesians 4, 23, he says to be made new in the attitude of your minds. If you want to be transformed, if you want to live in the way God wants you to live, you need to think differently. It says it, a really popular text, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you get your mind renewed? Well, you fill it with the things of God. You get his word, his Bible into you. You sit under Bible teaching like you're doing today where we open the word up and I'm teaching you about Jesus and what he wants for your life. Get your mind renewed. Get worship songs into you. Pray. Fill your mind with the things of God and your mind will be transformed. And as you start to think, as your mind is more and more transformed, you start to think like God thinks because you've got his thoughts in your mind. And as you do that, you'll be able to test what, test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. As you start to think more and more like God, you will then know what God's will is because you're starting to think like him. You want to move from this life to this life? Fill yourself up with God's word, prayer, Christian music. Get your mind renewed and then you'll deliberately, deliberately choose God's way. Number four, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 5.18 we read, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that being filled with the Spirit is not just a one-off occurrence. This filled with the Spirit is written in the present continuous tense where it happens daily, regularly. You're filled with the Spirit over and over again. It's a daily thing where the Spirit of God fills you. And, and the result is this, Ephesians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, as the Spirit of God fills you, as you create a space, Say, God, fill me. He then starts to move in you supernaturally. He transforms your heart. He transforms your mind. And the fruit of that is this, love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. As the Spirit of God fills us and starts to move in us, change us, the fruit of that are these things, these ways of living that honour the Lord. It's a beautiful thing. That us four. And the fifth one I want to give you is not from the book of Ephesians. It's from the book of Acts. And this is what it is. It is get a greater glimpse of Jesus. It's in the book of Acts, but Paul's in Ephesus. So I'm saying it's okay to use it. When Paul was in Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, he found some disciples of John the Baptist. He preached. They got converted. They got baptized. They got filled with the Spirit. He started a church and then all these miraculous signs happened as, as Paul prayed for people and sent out handkerchiefs that he prayed for and people got healed. Incredible stuff. The name of Jesus that was being declared was healing and, and, and there was a group of Jews, sons of Sceva, saw that when they used, that, that, that when the name of Jesus was used, stuff happened. Healing, deliverance happened because of the power of the name of Jesus. And on one occasion they they are tried to use the name of Jesus on someone who had a demon. 
and it went very poorly for them. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19 that they were beaten up by that person with the demon. They were, they were stripped naked and they, and, they let, and they fled the house. And the reason they weren't protected is because they weren't Christians. They didn't have Jesus in them. They were people outside of Christ using the name of Jesus, and that's why they were in danger. But I, but I want to show you what happened as a result of that. This is what we read in verse 17 in the book of Acts. When this incident where these Jews tried to use the name of Jesus and they, and they got beat up, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was hurled in high honour. They recognised that the name of Jesus had power and it was hurled in high honour. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. Here's something really beautiful here. Verse 18, many of those who believed, so there's these Christians in the city, right? They've just recognised, they've got a greater glimpse of Jesus' power and what happens when we use his name. They got a greater glimpse of his authority, of his majesty, his his power, that they now came. They were Christians already who got a greater glimpse of Jesus and they now came and openly confessed what they had done. As you get a greater glimpse of Jesus, his magnificence, his power, you will turn away more and more from your old life and you will choose to honour him more. Look at verse 19. A number who had practised sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmarks. Now, drachmark was a day's wage at the time. Now, let's just do some conversions here. In Australia today, a day's wage, what's that? About $300 a day for an average person, daily wage. $300 times 50,000 is $15 million. $15 million of asset was destroyed because these people recognised that they weren't honouring God in that area of their life. These Christians had some witchcraft as part of, their, part of their lives and they had scrolls and assets involved in that worth $15 million in today's money. They recognised it was wrong and as a result, they burn it. Friends, that's what happens when we get a greater glimpse of Jesus all the stuff of the world seems less and less important as we put our mind and our thoughts on him. The stuff of the world gets less and less important as we get a greater glimpse of Jesus. And look what happened. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. As we come to the end of this message today, let me give you the summary. We started here with love and marriage. They go together like a horse and a carriage. You can't have one without the other. You can't have one without the other. And as we talk about the Christian faith, Jesus is both Lord and Saviour. We can't have one without the other. You know, Saviour is so attractive. Jesus has saved me. I'm now set free. I'm now have eternal life. And the Lordship of Jesus at the beginning can be a bit, uh-uh. But as, let me tell you, as we just looked in that point five, as you get a greater glimpse of Jesus, living under his lordship is our best life. We read the text and then we talked about how to live in the way Jesus wants us to live. How do we do it? Number one, allow what God has done to motivate you. Look at what he's done for you. Allow it to motivate you. Choose, put off the old, put
put on the new. Renew your mind. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And finally, get a greater glimpse of Jesus. These five things that we see, that one's in Ephesus. These other things are in chapter 4 and 5 of the book of Ephesians. These are the things that we can put in place. These are the deliberate acts that we can do to move from where we are to where Jesus wants us to be. So as you look at these five things, which one thing of these five, choose one, that you're going to go, you know what, I'm going to pursue that. Is it the first one? You need to allow what Jesus has done to motivate you. You need to remind yourself of your new identity. Maybe you need to choose in certain situations in life. Don't choose that, but rather choose God's way. Maybe you need to fill your mind with God's word and worship songs and prayer and the encouragement of other Christians so that your mind is renewed. Maybe you need to put time aside and say, God, fill me with your spirit today and allow his spirit to fill you. Or maybe you've got to focus on Christ and read his word and spend time just meditating on him and his greatness. Read books about his, what he's done and people's stories about what God has done over the history of the church and allow that to inspire you to get a greater glimpse of Jesus so you live in a way that honours him. You know, maybe you're watching this message as I've talked about Jesus being both Lord and Saviour and you've never made that decision. For that is who he truly is. He is truly both Lord and Saviour. And if you want to have your sin forgiven, if you want to have eternal life, you need to have him both as your Lord and Saviour. And if you want to do that, I want to give you that opportunity right now. So I'm going to pray and I encourage you to pray with this prayer with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you just prayed that prayer, you've become a Christian, please click on the box that says you prayed the prayer. Or if you're sitting with a group of Christian friends, tell them that you made that commitment. It is the best commitment you could ever make. And now that you're saved, we want to help you live in a way where Jesus is your Lord. So it's important that you tell someone. I've put together this thing called Foundations that will help you find out the foundations of the Christian faith and people can do the journey with you to help you learn and grow and live under His Lordship. But as we close today, I just want to pray for every believer, every believer that we would choose to come under Jesus' authority, that we would choose to live in a way where Jesus is our Lord. Let's pray now. Father, we want to thank You for what You've done for us through Jesus, that Jesus is truly our Saviour, the one who has saved us from sin and death. And we know that Jesus is also Lord. So Father, we pray that we would choose to have Jesus as the Lord of our lives, that we'll continue to be reminded of what you've done for us and that would motivate us. Lord, that we would choose to say no to the things of the world and yes to you. Father, that we would be deliberate in having our mind renewed. Father, that we would be deliberate in being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we will be deliberate in getting a greater glimpse of you, that that would motivate us to say no to our old life and yes to our new life. We thank you for your word, God, that speaks so clearly about how you want us to live. Help us to live that way. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being part of it today. It's a real privilege to share with you. Thank you so much for joining us. 
We'd love to continue connecting with you and we want you to get the most out of online church. And so on Wednesday night at 8.15, we're going to gather on Zoom to connect, to share with each other and to pray together. We'd love for you to join us. See you then. Thanks for joining us on the LifeGate Church Podcast. Our church is a place to discover the freedom and purpose that Jesus offers.